0: there. Hi, welcome back. I am so curious to know how it is going over on your side of the sound waves. Um, Did you survive the month of June? Not to mention the first half of the year. Like, holy, holy moly. I asked because I have heard a lot of people who have kind of had an interesting start to their year, and then that just kind of rolled into April and May, and then suddenly were like pummeled and overwhelmed in June. I also experienced this phenomena, and I lived to tell about it. Um, so I'm going to tell you a super fast story, and then we'll dive into this episode with my guest Sarah Young, because we're going to talk all about money, money, money. Um, in May the month of May, 2023, I had a bit of a slowdown in my business. And if I had to put my finger on potentially why, I think it's because January, February, and most of March were not lovely months for me. And I was still playing catch up all month long in April, rather than what I might usually be doing, which is sharing that I was ready for new clients, making new connections, collaborating with people. Um, There's a lot of things that are parts and pieces of my marketing plan that I simply was not doing in the month of April. So come May, you can imagine that there was not a lot of action. And I also think that on a larger scale, um, I think that people in May start to get panicky about what is coming down the line in June because it is a very classically busy month. So come May, I was sort of like wrapping some stuff up, but I didn't have anything like actively in the works or anything that I was getting started on. It was kind of Freaky. So, first, I went to the place where we often go as entrepreneurs, which is to like, uh, think catastrophic thoughts, believe that the sky is potentially falling and that this is it, I'm done forever. Uh, You know, go start looking on Indeed and applying to jobs. And then as I looked back at some of my spreadsheets from last year and the year before, I found that this is actually a recurring phenomena and I can cool my jet engines. And you know what prompted me to look back at my spreadsheet, actually, because this is a great story, What prompted me to look back at my spreadsheet was I had decided, you know what, it is a very slow time right now. So I'm going to work on a project in my business that I don't have time to work on when I'm working with clients. So I decided to work on my website, which um, I was in the process of transferring it over to a new platform. I highly encourage you to go check it out if you care to. It's emilyaborn.com, same as always. Um, And as a content copywriter, I was in the process of kind of like refining my own message because I was kind of like the cobbler's son's shoes and I hadn't put a lot of time into my own uh, marketing messaging and wording and just like the things I wanted to include on my website. Like it was kind of just like put on the back burner for a long, long time. So in doing that, I discovered a blog that I had written back in May of 2022. The blog was titled What to Do When Business is Slow. And as I was reading my own words, I realized, oh my gosh, I could be doing some of these things. I could be taking advantage of this lull rather than sulking about, which is actually what I was doing at the time. So That prompted me to sort of look back and say like, oh, this is so interesting because this was happening in May of 2022 when I wrote this blog. I wonder if this was happening before that. So I took a look at some of my past spreadsheets and I realized like, I do not actually need to panic right now because things classically, uh, based on the trends, they bounce back in June and July. And they really have bounced back um, and leave me feeling a lot better, a lot more safe and comfortable. But it leaves me wondering two things. Number one, uh, do you want to read this blog, What to Do When Business is Slow? If yes, I will be sure to include, well, even if no, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to include the link in the show notes um, and you can read it if you choose. and I think I'm also going to do an entire podcast episode on this this summer. Uh, what to do when business is slow? Just so you can like hear for yourself some of the things that you could actually be focusing on. Doesn't matter when the time. It doesn't have to be a whole entire month. Just things that you can work on during different lulls in your business or or how, when maybe even when you don't have any active projects and you're kind of like in the middle of something. All right, question number two, I was wondering, do you know your mu- numbers on a monthly basis to even know if your business is actually slow or maybe just feel slow? I think sometimes people say that their business feels slow when in actuality, the numbers show them otherwise. So that leads me to a slew of questions for you. Like, do you know how much money you need to pay yourself a month to keep the lights on and the heat and air conditioning on in your home? Do you know how much your vehicle registration is every year and how much you need to pay yourself in order to cover that? Do you know how much your business needs to cover its own expenses and all of those subscriptions? Do you know what those expenses are, where all that money is going every month? Here's a new question I love asking myself, something I recently have kind of been thinking about more. I love asking myself, can my business afford to do this right now? when I'm making decisions? Can my business not afford to do this right now is another good one to ask yourself. But I think it's funny. I think sometimes in the entrepreneurial space, we don't always stop to ask ourselves these questions and reflect on them. We just kind of move along brazenly without awareness of what's really going on or based on how we feel things are going. But we don't really open up and look at what's really going on in our businesses. And I think that the online space also perpetuates some of these notions and ideas because they sort of beckon us to just go along with things, go along with ideas and notions without really thinking through what they would look like, how it what it takes to attain it, and also how it would be to maintain it once you achieve it. And as an example, I'm talking about like that 100k mark. Like what does it actually look like? In practice, how is it to attain it, and then how easy is it to maintain it? Um, The other one I can think of as an example is scaling to add employees, or increasing your team, or becoming an agency. And I think so often people just shoot for the thing that they're supposed to shoot for, they think they're supposed to shoot for, because they heard some guy on TikTok dancing and pointing at word bubbles saying so once. I am not the person to answer these questions for you or really even give you the questions that you should be asking yourself. I am a mere content copywriter and podcast host of the She Built This podcast and the Content with Character podcast. I'm no money queen. And in fact, I have some interesting money stories for you from my past. But I did want to get you some answers to these questions, and I also wanted to have you come up with the questions you do need to be asking about your business. So I brought in the ever-wise and possibly familiar face, Sarah Young, who is host of the Prophet and Pro... Pro Pro Holy Tongue Twister. And also this has been happening to me a lot lately because I like down a bunch of lemon water before I sit down to record these episodes. Let's try this again. Sarah Young is the host of the Profit and Prosper podcast and founder of Young & Co., a virtual CFO agency. Sarah's life work is to help business owners find financial peace and generate freedom and wealth. And when she's not helping clients maximize their profit to create more confidence and stability in their businesses, you can find her hanging out with her son and husband. In our conversation today, Sarah and I get into the reasons that she sees That business owners are not as profitable as they could be. And we also talk about bringing in new team members, what that really looks like. Some questions you might need to consider before you do. Hiring out instead to subcontractors, what that really looks like. Some questions you might need to consider as you do. And also why 100K isn't all it's cracked up to be. I hope that you enjoy our conversation as much as I did, and you gain a little bit of hope and also excitement for how your money could be working for you even more. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's taken us a long time to get you here. I tell you what, but we had some, we had a lot of fun having you in she built this workshop last year. And I knew after that workshop, I was like, I must have her on the podcast. So I'm so glad the stars aligned and we made this work.
1: Yes. It actually doesn't seem like that long ago that I originally reached out, but now that I think about it, I mean, it must've been last summer, so
0: it all works out. Yes, I agree. Um I would love. We've already heard your bio and like, you know, what you put on paper and stuff like that, but I would love to hear like in your own words a little bit more about your story, like how you actually started your business and got into doing what you do. Yeah. So, I am an accountant. I'm a CPA
1: and I started my career at Deloitte, you know, in the Big 4 over a decade ago and then I was working my way up the ladder there. Then I went to the corporate world, working my way up the ladder. And I ended up, um, there's a couple of things that like got me into what I was doing or what I do now, but I just had this realization through working with a family business and then having a really bad personal tax experience that Mm. the financial support available to small business owners, is just not anywhere near where it is, you know, in the world that I came from. And I also found that I enjoyed it, working, you know, with small business owners a lot better, having the impact that I could have. Um, And so I decided to back at the end of 2018, I was doing a lot of free work at the time, but then I started, you know, officially, you know, putting my myself out there as an accountant. And I did. The traditional stuff of like I'm a CPA and I had no business like no understanding of what it took to run a business at the time and so, you know, just doing the normal tax prep for anybody who wants it and bookkeeping for anybody who wants it at just ridiculously embarrassing dirt cheap rates, and but I kept having people come and so I side hustled from 2019 you know, all through 2019. And then I left my corporate job after maternity leave. So my son was born in March, 2020, right before COVID. Um, Good timing. (laughs) And so I left my corporate job after maternity leave and um, very quickly started scaling, you know, a bookkeeping still sort of traditional CPA practice. And I very quickly got burned out. Um, I was doing the thing of like dirt cheap rates, undercharging, over-delivering. I think my client's, recognize that I had the ability to talk about the big picture strategic stuff. And so they were asking me the questions and because I wanted to make them happy and I wanted them to stick around. And I also didn't realize the value in that at the time, you know, I was doing it. So undercharging, over delivering very burned out with a, you know, newborn at home, like just had to change. And so, um, in 2021, so over two years ago, actually took a pause of bringing on any new clients after that tax season and totally revamped my offers, started offering CFO services solely. I'd actually just by happenstance gotten a retainer CFO client in January, 2021, that came to me just from a referral from a friend. She was like, they need this. You would be great at it. Do it. And I'm eternally grateful for that because it opened my eyes. I think they were paying me $4,000 a month. And I was like, oh my God, like somebody's actually going to pay me $4,000 a month to do this, (laughs) like mind blown. Um, And I haven't looked back. So, you know, now um, everything that we do is really focused on helping business owners, primarily women business owners, make more money. And I don't know when exactly this will come out, but I feel like, um, you know, I'm personally... I have an agency already, right? Like I have my CFO agency and tax agency, and that's amazing. And I also feel more called to do more coaching of women. Like we'd call it money coaching, profit coaching, like really enabling them to like increase their profitability, be able to pay themselves more, be able to scale a business, but not in the traditional like business coach sense, like really taking ownership of the money skills that you need to be able to be a successful CEO. And something that I really... I have started to track is I want to help all of my clients save or invest a hundred million dollars from their business. Like that's my target. And so the math is, I haven't actually done the math in a little bit. It's a hundred business owners times a hundred thousand dollars a piece. I think it gets you there. I may be missing a zero, but like I'm tracking that, you know, in everything we do, like how much are you saving? How much are you investing? And like really trying to help them build wealth from their businesses because ultimately, I think that's what it's all about.
0: So what are some of, so speaking to a lot of the women business owners that you hear from, what are you seeing them bump up against and struggle with? And like, what is getting in the way, you know, maybe speak a little bit to money mindset. Like what is getting in the way of them getting to where they want to financially?
1: Um, okay. This could be a whole episode. Yeah. And it can be, (laughs) there's a lot. Um, you know, money mindset is one, obviously. Um, you know in when we did the workshop in december one of the things that i led with was what is your money for and why are you here i think a lot of women especially feel guilty for wanting to make money or they feel like you know they should be the ones providing the help they shouldn't be the ones who are wealthy and they feel like you know this sort of envisioning themselves having actual wealth in their name and not just in a husband's name is something that makes them feel fear. Um, A lot of us are taught that money is the root of all evil in some way or another. Nobody maybe said it to you in those exact words, but, you know, telling, telling you, you shouldn't aim this high. Like you're not, you shouldn't be doing this. Don't become too wealthy. If you become rich, everyone's going to hate you. And, you know, all of those things that we're taught, like the The stereotype, right, if you go back to movies that we watched when we were little, I think of Cruella DeVille as this, like, wealthy evil woman. And, like, that is what we saw as, like, the rich rich women. I think all the villains
0: were, like, you know, like, throwing their money around and cackling in a cave and (laughs) things. like Yeah. So,
1: so many things to unpack there. And I think that the reason that I always lead with, like, what is your money for? And really think big about, like, what is the impact that you want to have? whether it's like me, where I'm saying I want over the course of my career to help all of my clients get a hundred million dollars in wealth in the hands of women business owners, like how impactful could that potentially be? And if we get to a hundred million, we're going to go to a billion. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just calling it now. I have no idea how long it'll take to get there. Probably this is like my career, but just imagine how impactful that could be. And it doesn't even have to be that, right? It could be I want to enable my family to have experiences that I didn't have when I was growing up. Right. I want to be able to take my kids on really cool trips. I just want to be able to enjoy life while they're here instead of waiting until I'm 65 to finally sit back and relax, except my kids are not out of the house and I'm old and maybe like not old. Okay. 65 is not like that old, but you know what I'm saying? Like enjoy life while you're here and maybe it's that. And so really what is the money for I think anchoring into that vision, but also like not being afraid to step into that. Like the first time I ever said out loud, like I want to help my clients get a hundred million dollars in wealth. I felt like, who am I to do this? Right. I'll never accomplish this. But then I sat with it some more and I said, I have these skills. I know that I can help people to do it. And so who am I not to do that?
0: Right. And I think what I love about all the examples you gave is that it is a ripple effect. So it's not like, yes, you are helping these people invest, um, a hundred million dollars of wealth. And that is going to ripple like through generations and through time and impact other people in their lives. In addition to impacting you, in addition to impacting them. So everything you gave as an example, it's like, it's bigger than us, you know, it goes further than us. So I love asking that, like, what is my money actually for? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am also set out in terms of my agency side to not have the stereotypical accounting firm where you come in and you're expected to work as many hours as you can humanly work like we employ so far we have all women on our team we employ most of them are moms and so they're able to have flexible time they're able to work, you know, I just hired a new tax accountant who's starting. And she's going to have a 30 hour work week so that she can do, you know, the other things that she wants to do and spend time with her kids, but still make good money. Right. And so it's all possible. Um, And so I guess going back to the question of like, what is it that holds you back? I think it's a lot, a lot of that, a lot of the mindset, a lot of the fear, even if you may say on the outside, like, I want to build a multi six figure, seven figure, eight figure business. But if you actually, you know, close your eyes and imagine like. A million dollars hitting your bank account like literally close your eyes like pause the podcast close your eyes and visualize your bank account showing a million dollars sitting there like in your business checking account like what is it that comes up and if it's a fear if it's like this reaction of like anxiety or stress like you got to do some mindset work because if you have it's like this push-pull right of like I want this but I don't want this and so it's going to hold you back
0: when it comes to people paying ourselves. I think people are often surprised when I tell them that I like get a check sent to my house every single week and or a deposit transferred from one account to the other. Like, I think that that surprises people. And I actually don't think that we used to do that in the same way that we did in our first business. So I'd love to talk about like why we need to pay ourselves and then how that actually, like where it begins, I guess, because I do hear a lot of business owners like not even taking a paycheck for themselves. So what are the problems in there and how do we start paying ourselves? And and we can talk about commingling if you want to, if that's where we're going.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I think that... Um, I actually posted a TikTok that was talking about how do you allocate your money? And I talked about allocating money to paying yourself. And I don't have a big TikTok account, but I got a comment from this rando. It was like, never take a paycheck, pile up your cash, 12 months cash cushion and build up your business credit. And I'm like, what? Who are you? And it's like some physical, th- like sports therapist person. Like, How do they I don't pay know. their mortgage? I don't know. I said like, this is not sustainable for people. And so- you know obviously i'm a believer in habits and so i think that when it comes to money really examining what are your money habits um you know to it's a, probably an overgeneralization but i find that business owners tend to fall into two camps when it comes to money management if they don't have you know support if they're not doing some of the things that i teach people to do like just when you start a business you don't know like nobody teaches you how to do this stuff and so i find that people either tend to fall into the camp of I pile up my money in my bank account because I don't know what to do with it. And I'm afraid to take it out because I'm afraid my business is going to crash and burn and I may need it later. So there's the one camp, the hoarders. And the other camp would be the people who spend it as fast as it comes in, just because it's there. And they either, it's a mindset thing where they're self-sabotaging themselves so that they don't get rich because they're afraid to be rich, or they think that by investing in this thing or that thing, that it's going to be the thing that builds their business. So I think understanding that is important and having the habit of being able to pay yourself. Like I tell people, even if you don't feel like you can afford something, like let's just set up an automatic transfer or something, whether it's weekly, I pay myself monthly, even if it's a hundred bucks, I don't care. Like get into the habit of doing that first and foremost and make it easy. And then you can increase it over time. And so I think obviously, you know, going back to the question of what's your money for? So at a basic level, like if we think more short-term, like what is the money in your business for? If you are, let's say single, you don't have a full-time job, your business is your main hustle. Obviously your business needs to pay your bills. Mm -hmm. You would be shocked probably at how many people, when I say, how much money do you need to spend in your life every month? They are like, Oh, I don't know. Right. So if you don't know, take an hour, sit down, go through your bank statements, get an estimate of like, I spend 5,000 bucks a month among all the different things I need to live. This is how much you need to be paying yourself. Your business needs to sustain your life. I also work with a lot of moms or married women or people who are just in long-term relationships and their partners will be in salary jobs. And so in many cases, the partner is covering the bills and this one can be even more difficult because they're like, I don't need my money, right? I don't need it. And so therefore I'm a lot of them tend to put all of their extra into their kids' 529 accounts. And I'm like, okay, no, time out. <laughs> if if you don't need it for spending money, think about number one. Are there any things that you could do to upgrade your life? What would that cost, right? What would it be like if you did have a six-figure salary from your business, even if your spouse works? Could he quit his job, right? Or could she quit her job, right? Um, What could you put into retirement? Um, Again, what is your money for? And like, let's not just pile it up. So the importance of that, making that as a habit, I think is really crucial. And then where to start is... I really feel like you you need to have some sense of how much money you need to keep your business running. And so I kind of like to go through this allocation exercise, um, looking at how much cash do you have in your business account and figuring out, okay, from this, I need to pay my ongoing overhead expenses for my business, my software subscriptions, my VA or whatever, my payroll, my marketing. I know about how much that is every month. I need to make sure that I allocate some of that, like fund that. Right. Cause you know, those are coming. We don't want to run up debt to the extent we can avoid it in our business, um, for ongoing stuff like that. I'm not against debt for investing, but for like just ongoing expenses, let's make sure we have those covered. We obviously need to make sure you set tax money aside. And so, you know, hmm. I hate to bring that up, but like <laughs> we need to be setting money aside for taxes. I usually say 20 to 30% of your profits for the month. Um, And so to do that, you have to know your numbers, right? To know your expenses, you have to know your numbers, but we need to be setting tax money aside. And then, you know, once you have extra, assuming you have extra left over, then I would say, okay, let's pay yourself. What is that salary that you're gonna pay yourself? And can we set that up on a recurring basis? Um, Or if you want to, if you have even extra beyond that, then I would say, what are some investments that you need to make? Can we, we need to build up a cash cushion, obviously. That's something I preach all the time. Um, But also saying like, hey, I need to invest in this thing to grow my business. Or maybe I need to invest in this stuff over here in my retirement account. So I have some personal investments coming up. And just being intentional about allocating your cash. Um, You know, I won't go like too, too down the rabbit hole of how we do that. But that's, that's kind of the process of working through kind of giving your money a job.
0: Do you see Um, people like continuously in the red or spending more than they have in their businesses? And what kind of like, what do you say to that?
1: Yeah. So yes, and it's not everybody, but I think that in general, businesses are not as profitable as they could be. So actually, I'll give you an example. I had a consult with somebody two days ago and I got her financials and she you know, looking at her trends, she basically was saying, look, we're, our business is growing. Clients love us, but I'm not able to take home. Like I'm not making any money. So I said, well, send me your financials. I'll give you the two minute overview, like two minute overview of like, what do I see going on? And so looking at her P and L she's got like 20 some employees. Um, her revenue from like last summer went from like 70, $80,000 a month up to 115, 120 to the end of the year up to like 130 in Q1 of 2023. And yet her payroll expenses were also increasing. And so she's just constantly breaking even. And so when people are kind of always in the red, I think that it can be a, for a variety of reasons. Because so if it was really easy to figure out why you're always in the red, like every less people would always be in the red, you know, in her case um, my gut without having the details to be able to dive into the numbers. Cause like, She had what I would say is sort of a regular bookkeeper, like just coding the transactions. There's no good reporting for me to be able to say like, here's how much your team costs to deliver on your client work, right? Um, Here's how much your other expenses are that you're spending on like back-end office stuff. Like being able to draw those conclusions, we would have to go in and do some work to do that. And so in her case, I have a suspicion, an educated guess that she her offers, like what she's selling, she's just not pricing them to be profitable enough. Mm -hmm. And, or, you know, sometimes her team cost maybe is a little bit misallocated. So there's kind of one reason, like people just don't have profitable offers. Um, And if you're a solopreneur, right, you can still have an offer that is not profitable. Um, I think when we're solopreneuring, we tend to think as our revenue, our revenue is our income, right? All the money we make is ours to keep, except you're not thinking about how much time do you put into delivering what you're selling. And if you were to hire somebody else to come in and do that role for you, would your offer be profitable? And I think in a lot of cases, I find that they're not
0: And And so considering the tools that go into what you're selling too, you know, the software you have to use, if you're a graphic designer, for example, or a website designer and the subscriptions you have to maintain and things like that. So I I agree. That's a common, that's a common struggle.
1: Yes. And then I would say the second most common one is I see people who are investing a lot of, in a lot of different things. And I am a proponent of investing, right? Like I have invested a lot of money into my business specifically to help me grow. And certainly I've invested in things that failed magnificently, right? But I see people who think that like the next course, the next coach, they're always buying different things, um, thinking that there's going to be some magical solution that they're suddenly going to find and be able to grow their business to seven figures and have all the money they ever want, right? I feel like
0: people hear this in every single episode because it is so prevalent. It is so prevalent.
1: Yeah. And so again, I am a proponent of investing, but we need to make sure we're doing it in a way that makes sense. And I do think that people should be willing to spend money in their business, especially if you want to be able to build it beyond just yourself. Um, There's just going to be a point where you, you physically don't have the time to do it anymore. And I think we all we, a lot of us tend to glorify the idea of bootstrapping, right? I did it all myself. I figured it out on my own. I'm going to tell you, like I've invested in things where I just had somebody like do something for me. And just by having this done for me the right way from the beginning, I can run with it. I don't have to spend months tweaking and learning and all of that stuff. Like I'm able to grow so much faster. And so I think that There just has to be a recognition. And I think if you're one of those people who likes to buy a lot of courses and all kinds of things, like I'm not saying any of this to be judgy or anything. I think it's just helpful to examine, sit back and examine, like, do you really need another strategy? Do you really need the new thing? Or can you capitalize on what you already know and capitalize on what you already have first? Are you using those things to your full potential? And if the answer is yes, and they're maxed out, then sure, it's time to come up with a new strategy. But I would say most people probably don't fully utilize the marketing strategies that are already working for them, the team members they probably already have, the assets they own. So let's focus on doing those first.
0: What if somebody is thinking about bringing on that first team member? Um, Where do you kind of see categorically that person fall into and like, what are the steps to bringing on somebody to help you with what you're doing? Like on a regular basis.
1: Yeah. So, oh, hiring. I mean, I think that I've seen a lot of mistakes in hiring and a lot of mistakes in pay structure too. I see a lot of entrepreneurs like overpaying their team out of guilt or shame or whatever. Right. And it ends up, you know, it's just not scalable. Like I have I have some clients now who are at the low seven figure level and we're having to completely restructure their pay structure because they're wildly overpaying their team for the market. And I very much believe in fair pay. I'm not going to tell anybody to go hire the, you know, $2 an hour VA in the Philippines because I think that's not, that's not in my ethics to do that, but we still have to understand like market salaries. So in terms of when it's time to hire, you know, I would say it it can be easy to hire people too soon. I think that exercise that I was talking about of understanding if your offers are profitable, right? If you're if you're consistently making cash flow, if you look and you say, um, "I'll take on this copywriting project," maybe somebody's going to pay me two thousand dollars. I'm just going to make numbers up, and it would take on average, you know, if it takes me on average. 10 hours to deliver this project. And it would maybe take somebody else who's not me. Maybe it will take them 15 hours because they're just not as fast as me, right? Which is fine. Um, And I would have to pay them $40 an hour. Did I just do hard? Okay, I think that's like, what is that?
0: I I think we're at, yeah, I think we're at 15 times 40. So $600. 600 bucks, right? And so, you know,
1: then add in the cost of, all the other things you have to pull together for them you know if you have the software you have to buy them fonts or whatever right like really sit down and make sure that your offers are profitable because i have these, this conversation with people all the time they're like i'm just not convinced that i'll make more money if i hire somebody because i have to pay them and the point of hiring them is that you have something that works you have an offer structure that makes you money Um, hopefully it is something that is repeatable and it's not like, you know, I think it's hard to hire somebody in if you're doing all kinds of different types of projects for different people and there's no structure to it. Um, I would say like having it specialized into like, there's a clear role for them to step into will make them more successful. But I think when you have that by default, if you have a profitable offer, I mean, you could hire somebody as soon as possible, right? You don't have to wait until a certain benchmark as long as in this example, right? 2,000 bucks, if it costs you $600 to hire somebody, hold on, I'm going to do my percentage really fast. I think I did set this up so it would be profitable. So that's 70% profit on the offer. I would say that's amazing, Mm. right? That's a great profit margin on the offer. And so you could do that all day right? You could just spend your time doing the sales and marketing and high level strategy and just feed this into this person all day long. I think the problem that people have is that they don't have these things set up to be profitable. And so they end up spending a lot of their money on payroll, right? Most of their sales is getting allocated to payroll without thinking like, oh, I've got to also pay myself and all of my end stuff.
0: So I think, sorry, do you think a good place to start is like trying it with a subcontractor or do you really say like jump right into having an employee?
1: I think it it varies. There's no right answer. Um, I'll tell you what I did. Um, So I, my first hire was a part-time bookkeeper because, you know, I was scaling at the time. I had a, a lot of bookkeeping clients, but then when I was starting to take on CFO clients, I hired a bookkeeper to help me with just the sort of administrative type of client work. Um, In my case, I did go the employee route and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but, and so I'll preface this by saying I'm not a lawyer. And so this is sort of an HR law. There's like state laws around who can be a contractor versus who can be a W-2 employee or who should be. Um, And I think a lot of people incorrectly assume that just because you say someone is a contractor that automatically makes them a contractor. And so I like to sort of tell people like, think about, you know, the the levels vary by state. So again, not a lawyer, but like, if you are, if you're exercising a lot of control around what they're doing, how they're doing it, the supplies they use, if you're giving them, you know, software and computer stuff to use, if you're paying for all of that, if you're telling them the hours that they work, like that's an employee, right? So you can also have employees who are part-time though. So it doesn't have to be, Like when you hire an employee, it's full time and benefits and bonuses. Like, no, it can be, hey, you know, I've got a couple of bookkeepers on my staff now who work, you know, three days a week and like, that's fine. So they get paid for working however many hours that is three days a week, you know? Um, So I would say I also see people make the mistake in hiring of thinking that they're going to hire a unicorn who can do it all. So as a business owner, I think we are capable of thinking high level strategy and also stepping in and doing the work. And you have to understand that like most people can't do that. Most people are not unicorns. And if they are a unicorn, they're probably going to want to go start a business Mm -hmm. because they have those skill sets. And so I think, again, it has to be, I think you need to have a well-defined role of like, I'm going to hire a bookkeeper to come in. And handle my clients who are in this industry, they're going to do these, these things for them every single month. And that is their job. You know, it's, it's well-defined because when you start layering in like, oh, you also need to come up with the solution for this and a process for that. And help me think about the strategy for this. You're not going to be able to find somebody who is going to be able, willing and able to do the, you know, sort of administrative type work for the pay that an administrative type work will will pay and also think higher level. So, I feel like I've said a lot. Yeah, <laughs> about that was hiring. That was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um I want to kind of shift gears a little bit because you have this I'm not going to call it controversial, but you have this thought process around 100k versus 200k and I've heard you talk a lot about six and seven figures. I know that that is a very relative term, but we hear it all over the internet, right? But like the actual fact that somebody makes six or seven figures in their business is not, that doesn't actually really mean anything if you don't take into account what they're spending in their business, right? But let's focus on that like magical 100K number. And is it all that it's cracked up to be? <laughs> no.
1: So I I feel like when I first Had this realization. It was in 2021. I had scaled my business from like 10 to 15K months at the beginning of 2021. And I had by October, November, we were at like 25K months in terms of just like recurring revenue. And I just remember looking up one day in the fall and being like, I think we had a nanny at the time because COVID and we didn't send our you know son to daycare and i think she called in sick that day and so i had to just sort of shuffle my schedule around and take off and like be a mom and i just remember looking up and i was sitting outside with him and he was just playing and i was playing with him and i wasn't stressed and i remember thinking this would not have happened to me at my you know 10 to 15k month level and I sat with it for a while. And when I first posted it on Instagram, I did feel like it was controversial because I feel like everybody thinks that everything is like sunshine and rainbows and unicorns at hundred K, but it's really just like an arbitrary number. Right. And so what I find is that at the 100 K level, it's actually for most people, a really difficult in-between state where you're not able to bring in enough revenue to pay for a team that really can take a lot of work. You might be able to have a part-time person and still be able to pay yourself. Um but you're having to to maintain, you know, 8 8k months, 10k months, even up to like 15. It can vary depending on the business and how it's structured, but it's just this hard in between of you still having to be the one delivering the work and also having to do all the sales and all the marketing and all the strategy and if you want to be able to pay yourself, you're not able to um you know, pay a team member that much. So I actually have a whole podcast episode. I think it was episode 55. And the title of it is, um, it's on the Profit and Prosper podcast. It is called how, I think the title is how I would pay myself 50K, 100K and 300K. And so spoiler alert, the 50K paycheck is a 100K year. Mm. And so most business owners that I work with, and I actually did a poll on this after that episode, on my Instagram, very scientific, very representative. Highly researched. Highly researched. (laughs) Highly researched. But I actually had a lot of people respond to this poll. And I said, what is your ideal paycheck? 50K, 100K, or 300K? I thought more people were going to say 100K in terms of a paycheck, like take-home pay. Basically, everybody said 300K. Mm. And so the reason that I say I think 250k in revenue is easier than 100k is I I explained the the numbers in that that episode that I referenced in a lot more detail. But at 250k, you know that's like 20-25k months in revenue, you can afford of an employee. Mm-hmm. You can afford somebody full-time. Um you can you can afford a lot more and you can also pay yourself a six-figure paycheck if you structure your business the right way. And so in terms of the level of effort versus the payoff, I don't think 100K is nearly what it is stacked up to be. And, you know, I think it's hard to get your business to 100K um, because you really have to know what you're selling and who you're selling to. And you have to understand your marketing and all of that. But I personally also had to go through a lot of shifts to get myself to 250K. And it really, once I went through it, it enabled me to step back. So that when, and that one day that I was referencing, you know, Nanny calls in, I'm not stressing because I'm not the one that has to get up and stir the pot every day in my business, right? Like it keeps going without me, maybe not forever, but like, it's not a big deal. And so I just think that aiming for hundred K and thinking that it's going to give you all your hopes and dreams. I just don't think that that is really realistic. And I don't think that it... I think more people should talk about like the take home pay and the expenses of like running a team if you want to do that because I don't I don't think enough people talk about it and I would say you could be like very happy and have a nice sustainable business at around that 250k mark.
0: Yeah, you're right that not and not enough people talk about that and what that looks like and not to mention which I know you don't necessarily deal with but not to mention like all the different communication elements and having somebody else fill your shoes. Right. And like how they're coming across to clients and all of that. So it's, it's a lot. And I'm sure that there's podcasts out there and things like that. Um, all right. To wrap up, I would just love to hear you. You mentioned your podcast. So let's let people know how they can find the podcast and just how to find you and connect with you, connect with you online. I know that you give a lot of like, Education and tips on Instagram in such a generous way, in my opinion. Like, you really do give people a lot of information and make yourself very, very accessible. So, let us know how to find you. Well, I appreciate that. I do it on purpose. I mean, you know, obviously, I want people
1: to come and work with me, but, you know, I think it's the stereotypical thing of like, if this is what my free stuff is, imagine, yeah. imagine actually getting my brain and my team's brain, like they're also amazing um, on your business. So I would say, you know, for those of you who are podcast listeners, go listen to my podcast. It is the Profit and Prosper podcast. Um, I referenced that one episode that was, it's like one of my top episodes of the year and we're only like a few months in, or it's like one of my top episodes all time. It's like the business models. I think that was a good one. I also, I think it's episode 50. I have a four-part profit series that I did a couple of months ago um, where I talked through in detail what I consider to be the elements of a profitable business. So offers, systems, investments, and team. So go check those out. I think they were really good if I say so myself. And then obviously I'm on Instagram. It's Sarah Young. And so I will say I've been really busy and so I haven't been posting as much, but it is one of my goals to be able to get back to that because I love the, just the, the ability, I guess, to be able to teach more women more business owners how to make more money cuz that's what i really want us to do and not not just for the money but really like thinking about what do you want out of life and i think that in a lot of cases you know you're not going to be able to have the peace and the time and the space to do the things you want to do and have the impact you want to have if you don't have money and i hate i wish it wasn't that way but that is that is the world that we live in so go check me out on instagram and then i also have a mini course that's a newer thing i have Um, that I talk about the framework of how to make that shift that I talked about of being, you know, the stressed out solopreneur to be able to hire a team and get to the place where you can pay yourself a six figure paycheck and scale your business. And so you can go get that at millionaire. I think the link will be in the show notes. You have it, but millionaireceo.co forward slash mini course, or pull up my Instagram and send me a DM with the word wealthy. And I'll, I have a really cool um, automation that I'm very proud of setting up that we'll send you the link to.
0: Okay. Awesome. And I will make sure that all of those links and the um, podcast you mentioned are in the show notes. So thank you so much. As my friend said, before we sat down to record, you are a wealth of knowledge and I really, really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.